Good morning and welcome back to the Explicit Measure podcast with Tommy, Seth, and Mike. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, my friends. Has your week felt like it's a very um, long week? I was talking to my team on Tuesday saying, happy Friday. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm way off. It has been a long week already. Yeah, it's there's there's been a lot of a lot of work and non-work stress this week yeah yeah one thing that has stressed me out things in the world one thing that has stressed me out right now that is driving me absolutely bonkers is i just got a new phone when you get a new phone and you have all this wonderful mfa crap set up that secures (laughs) everything you want i've been trying to return the phone for over two weeks now and i keep having issues with this stupid mfa crap that lets you you have to transfer it from one phone to another yeah. it's like impossible it's like it, you have to like log into every single thing oh, delete yeah. the mfa reset it up and if you have any kind of like personal accounts like it's going to like for whatever reason the enterprise version of mfa works way better than like the microsoft yeah. other personalized versions because every time i get into these personalized accounts like whatever the email address is at outlook.com doggone it it like throws a conniption won't let you do it you can't i'm like this is why people won't use mfa because you can't make it easy for me to migrate between from one phone to the new phone like you should make this easy microsoft or you should make it at least easy for me to reestablish my new qr code with the new phone i get i get that you don't want to make it super easy because then people can be like oh we'll hack that and we'll figure out how to you know relink phones no problem but on the other hand i'm thinking to myself doggone it this is way too hard and it should be simpler. It Super would be nice. It would be nice if it was simpler. That's everything sure. else on my phone migrates from the old phone to the new phone. Most everything else is just fine. Yeah. I can submit my password. I can put my username in. It sometimes it even remembers like what my username was. I just got to like go to my key vault thing and pull in the password and drop it in. <laughs> Doggone <laughs> it! Speaking is of phones, they're switching yeah. to passwordless. And is that that the passwordless is junk? Like. They're trying to do it. It let me say it this way: the power, the password list stuff works incredibly well when you have the Microsoft Authenticator app on your phone, mm-hmm. and it's already set up. Like if you when you get it set up the first time, no problem. When you have password list turned on and you're trying to move between phones, a nightmare. I hate it. Well, it's probably Anyways. the same thing too. Where um, if you remember when the Apple Pay first came out, we're like, oh, this is so cool. Except no one else had it at any store. And the first time we actually was really helpful was when we were in Europe, Mike, because everyone had Apple Pay. Oh, so, totally. It's the best yeah. thing ever. So we're so far behind here in the US. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing as like the password list works if the person who's doing it supports it. Yeah, exactly right. It's not it's not just that though, too, because uh was it this week I got some notification I was digging around like and my in the in mfa or in some of the microsoft login things mm-hmm. it had registered my old devices but i'd mm-hmm. never i'd never disconnected it from my old phone mm-hmm. which is now a long time ago but it, like it's not like a vulnerability it's just i i disconnected from authenticator so yep. uh i hate changing passwords which is why i have really long passwords so my IT organization just add another number, was another like number at the end ping, there pinged me after work hours and I didn't respond right away. And they're like, did you, did you like uh, disconnect an account or something? And I'm like, I, I don't understand what that means. Like, no, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. They reset my password. They just reset it. And I was like, oh, hell no. Why they reset it? Be- because I had removed my old device oh. from Authenticator. So like, you know, they're monitoring and everything. Oh, yeah, good. yeah. It's good. Yeah. But like now I had to go reset my password. I was like, mm. dang it. Yeah, it's yeah. annoying. Like, and yeah, there's a whole bunch of things that go along with this one. The, the, we are in the 21st century or 22nd century. I don't know what a century. We're in a century in which phones do everything for us. Why can't we stink and authenticate with our face on every single thing? Like, this should be just like, it should just be a thing. It should just be yeah. like, bio scan my face, get this thing over with. Everything's signed in the way I want it to be signed in. Other people can't get into my phone without my face. Now now your children have learned, though. Your children have learned, like, when they want to get into your phone, they're like, Dad, I need to do this thing on your phone. I'm like, okay. And they shove the phone in my face, and it unlocks. And I'm like, okay, that's not that's not really what I... 
like it's so they're so fast now i don't even have time to like hide my face away from the phone like they, they just get it so quick i'm like well so much for that security at least my children know how to get into my phone you know now it doesn't you know it doesn't make sense to me <laughs> while we're while we're just taking thursday morning to for for to gripe and sometimes we need to do this and i, I feel it's I therapeutic feel like this is one of the, this is our therapy session what speaking of security um you know what absolutely doesn't make sense to me and it is some of I'm not oh. going to name names, but it it is Bananas top in, in top pajama companies, pants. top companies. Several times in the last se- couple months, have sent me emails that say you have to click this link to go do something, otherwise an account is going something wrong is going to happen. Oh yeah, don't account. send me those links. I'm never going to click that. No, no, but but here's the problem. I never click those links. No, right? I will never this click is them. A number one scam. What are the scam things? Yes. Make urgency. Yes. You're, something yes. bad's going to happen. Yes. Force you to click links. No so way. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to log into mm-hmm. my account on their website. Yep. And there's nothing. There's, there's no, no message. Yes. There's no, there's no way I can do the thing. So I, what I've done is not done anything and yeah. had accounts shut off. And I'm sitting there going, you've got to be kidding me. The only way that i can get to do what i want to do is click a link i'm already not comfortable clicking because yep. you're forcing me to say it like if you're going to give me an email you should give it to me a note as a notification in my account mm-hmm. blows my mind blows my mind because legit both of them were legit but i'm like stressing hardcore like yeah look at the url is yeah i'm the right person trek it is it, tr- is it, is it yeah. trustworthy yeah I, yeah like i spent days before i would click this thing because i will not touch it i'm so ingrained yes and like you don't you don't do that stuff and yet these companies are shooting these emails into your inbox with no other way to do it like dude stop not cool stop it if you're gonna send me an email saying i have to go to an account let me log into my account separately and take care of and address the issue please go to please go to our website yeah Please go to our website. Here's the here's the root URL of our website or whatever. Like, oh, whatever. Like oh. here's please go to our website. This is our website your web address. Go here and log in and you'll see a message that says do these things. Like that's <laughs> right. it's it, the message right. should be consistent. Oh, yes. A lot of percent agree with that. You have to do these things. Please log into your account. Great. No problem. I'll go yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, oh my goodness. That is crazy. Today. <laughs> All right. Well riveting. After we've had this riveting uh, early morning conversation, I'm sure there's uh, all one of you hanging around for this conversation. <laughs> this is, uh, maybe everyone else is struggling with security too. I don't know. But anyways, apparently we are. Our main topic for today, we'll be talking around user adoption and talking about uh, other analytics or, or business analytic projects and a great article from Brent Dykes, uh, author of Effective Data Storytelling. And just he has a really good graphic, even in his little uh, LinkedIn post here as well. So I'll I'll quickly put this into the chat window as well for those who want to follow along in the article. It's also in the description of this video as well, uh, and you should be able to see that as well additionally. Just talking through what does uh, adoption look like and how do you measure it. Before we get into that topic, though, I do think there's a couple quick other actually Power BI-related announcements we should at least touch on here uh, as opposed to just randomly talking about things. So, uh, Tommy, you sent me a couple of really amazing links here. Um, one of them is coming from a, a tool that I have not played with. Admittedly, I have not played with enough to actually be comfortable with it yet. But um, I think it's Gerhard Berlucky. Yeah. Berlucky. 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 Gerhard Bruckel. Bruckel. I got that all wrong. A lot of letters that weren't there. So sorry uh, about the name. But your tool is amazing. So I got to definitely promote this one. There is a there is a VS Code gallery. It's a uh, a new release of the Power BI VS Code extension. And basically, it's like a window into APIs, a window into the PowerBI.com service. You can do more things now. You can go look at your models in Timdal format. Um, mm-hmm. You can configure scale out on top of data sets. You can refresh a data set. You can edit the Timdal inside the tool. I mean, Wow, there's a lot of really rich features for the developer that have come out in this tool. Have you played with it? Tommy has played with it. Tommy's yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Tommy, give so, me the skinny. What's going on? So, I mean, it really is. It's not like necessarily the full dashboard was awfully close. And to have that in VS Code, mm-hmm. he, we're getting really close because you can actually connect to any data set with a notebook. And he has actually, you just right click. Right now, right now, it's just, a, uh, just a, like a REST request, but I'm sure we can just 
you could easily change that to Python, but he gives you the ID, everything kind of copied, paste, ready to go. Um, some of the, you can look at all your other artifacts, but, and you can see what pipelines are going on. It's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's on par with Azure's uh, studio and extension. It's amazing. And the fact that it's been built by the community, like, like you don't have, My this God. wasn't, this wasn't a Microsoft built thing. It's rock solid. It's an amazing yeah. tool with lots of contributed con contributions from uh, Gerhard. It's a, I love it. I, I think it's so cool. So anyways, I'm super excited to use it. I'm going to get my hands wet uh, or hands dirty or whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm going to use the tool. I'm going to get in. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to give some demos probably of this. I think, Tommy, this needs another whole learning series all by itself of like how to use this tool effectively. What can it do? And why would I care about this tool? It's just, it makes a ton of sense to just understand this thing. Super cool. Yeah. I was trying to see how many downloads the, it has. Yeah, it already I mean, has. I mean, the fact that I can just get the TM, the Tim Dole. Oh, yeah. It already has almost 10,000 downloads. So he's got about another 250 downloads to get above 10,000. So let's get this thing above 10,000 today. We're not going to give any more amazing podcasts until you download this tool. <laughs> yeah, right. Just kidding. <laughs> we're we're going to move on. Um, any other kind of other announcements here? Maybe uh, a call out or a shout out to Ignite is happening pretty soon here. Is it already in line online right now? Mm -hmm. It's online. Um, my, everything's booked for me. Well, I, I, I don't want to go back, but there's another really cool feature with the VS Code. You can also see all your refreshes for a data set. But yeah, Microsoft Ignite's coming up and through. <laughs> Sorry, this is really cool. Um, and what an easier way to see it. So Microsoft Ignite is, I believe, starting on the 15th of November. Mm -hmm. um, 14th. I feel, 14th. 14th, in, if 14th in, in Seattle. 14th yeah, through the yeah. 17th. If yep. it's online, it's 15th and 16th. The, the live opening is, well, Microsoft's main opening is on the 15th. I mean, look at the, so. look at the title of it, though. Experience AI transformation in action online from anywhere. Like, it's not even called it. Like, the main selling point is not even Ignite. It's like, look, we're doing AI. Like, the main center focus here. Uh, a few Microsoft BI sessions on Wednesday. There is the inter introducing semantic models in Power BI, which we could talk about that. Where I was like, "What's that?" And it's like, "Oh, oh, it's just it's just a data model. Yeah. It's the same okay, thing we've yeah. been using all along." I know, yeah, yeah, so, something I'm actually kind of <laughs> familiar with. Let's change the marketing so it sounds snazzy. Yeah, it's actually you know what? <laughs> That's gonna make my life so much better. I've been doing a training with uh, some enterprise teams and they've been in snowflakes. And they're like, "No data set, no, no, not your data set." That's true. It's a different data set. It, it so, does please, need a different please, term. Please. Yeah, I I, I'm all for this. I'm all for this. So, yes. yeah. By the way, everyone, in case you didn't know, data sets are now semantic models. So that's Which they've been all along. Yeah. It's just now the formal term for it is right. just thing called data set. Yeah. And I think that's the only Power BI session. Everything else is fabric. Build okay. and manage enterprise scale data. Uh, there's the upgrading your data mm. state. And then I think there, uh, I, I believe I found all of them. Because everything else is Copilot, nothing about Power BI and Copilot. Maybe we'll get Donald, there. Donald Maybe Parrish. we'll finally get some love around Copilot. Come on, Donald we need to have Parrish this. Make just, this happen. Uh, just announced or pointed out that Pass Pass Data Community Summit is also the same week in Seattle, November fourteenth through. The oh, I heard about this. Yeah, the, the the conference timing of things have been incredibly in uh, amazing. Like they're literally like, let's just put all the conferences on the same day at the same time. So that no one can go to anything. Let's do that. That's a great idea. Yeah. You know, if we only yeah. had this thing called like That's the internet idea. where you could like coordinate oh. or like publish when your event is occurring, like that would be amazing. Hmm. Anyways. <laughs> Are you been playing too much Minecraft? That sounds like one of the... Uh... <laughs> My kids have. It's exactly <laughs> That's... that. That's it sounds like villager. The, the villager. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you did it and the fact that I picked up on that that Tommy, your kids are not old enough yet. I have no idea. Yeah. But wait until your kids start playing Minecraft. There's gonna be all kinds of weird noises at your house you're gonna be hearing here pretty shortly. Can't wait. Mm. 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 <laughs> oh my gosh. That's ridiculous. All right. Because this is an amazing podcast and you are really thrilled about learning and listening here, let's actually talk about some real things that talk about data and the the reporting and analysis here. Um, Tommy, give us maybe a bit of an overview of what is Brent talking about in his article? What, what, do we should, what should we pull out of here and start conversing about? So 
great great linkedin post quickly, I, i'm amazed that people gonna, could just do this in a post yeah i'm gonna quickly be the, the 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 narrator here tommy quickly looks at his computer feverishly looking at the article trying to read quickly as to what was good what are the main topics uh tommy zooms over to chat gpt and, and enters the <laughs> url of the page to say please summarize this article for the podcast okay tommy take it away i beat you dude i spent an hour this morning getting trying to <laughs> Uh, trying to get a better prompt for the agenda. So <laughs> and I realized this Love is it. stupid. I can do this. That's um, funny. So uh, honestly, we've talked about adoption a ton. That's one, I think one of our big things and it always will be, but apparently there's a, they, we've seen actually some articles about uh, CDOs, chief data uh, officers, and just in general where adoption's not really meeting the expectations. And part of that too is, like where were you measuring success? But there are a lot of there's a lot of that dissatisfaction once things are implemented, or and not necessarily the organization, but very much on the users. And mm-hmm. we always focus, and I think that's why I love our conversation is Power BI and everything is always focused on the data, the technology, all the sessions is you know get this real time streaming event. But again, what's the implementation of that for the person, and how does it actually affect them? So for kind of from the post point of view it's like how are we deeming success and to me that's we can talk about that for eight hours cool how do we measure success tommy this is this is the question of the hour then because this is not going to be an easy answer what does what would success look like for you on your reports what does that look like well i don't think it's just the reports though right it's i i think that's selling it a bit short if you said Okay. We can start there because we're saying adoption, but we can go there. Well, okay. All right. So let's, let's talk about adoption. So I like the term of adoption where I struggle with this is, so there's, there's two terms that I, I think that are relevant here. Like I want people that are going to be engaged with my report or I want adoption of the report. Those are nice terms and words to say, but the core of me says, how do I measure that? What's the measurement of adoption what's the measurement of um engagement how does that look so maybe that's where i would take part of my question from this is yes i would agree wholeheartedly those are two things we absolutely want i got you but how do i measure it so that's where i that's where my mind goes you know it's interesting this kind of goes back to our conversation about the uh ordering food like data-driven teams where i think a lot of our mindset it's a part of the mindset we were, we, we do move on too quickly mm-hmm. with projects or reports. Like, Oh, we've published it. We're done. And I think that's because of the, I don't want to say the culture, but if we're laughing so hard at that video of we're on this time crunch with no budget, we're going to be in this kind of place where, yeah, we're kind of just sending food out like a restaurant and then we're moving on to whatever else needs to get made where there is not a lot of time for us. And something i've said a bunch of times to provide actual intelligence using our own words to the users where we're like here's a report here's some buttons you can click i have other data things to build and when it comes to engagement right like it because part of what we were doing if we're actually going to spend the time there is that post-mortem and that's that's not just how to use the report Hmm. that really would be there in a in a perfect world um, but I, I'm going to start right there in terms of mm-hmm. when we're going to say success. It's yeah. The usage is obviously the, one of the easiest metrics, mm-hmm. but in terms of what would be ideal, I think there's need to be more on the other side of the completion. So, so let me kind of unpack what you're saying there a little bit. I'm going to read a little bit more into the article here. Um, basically the, the scenario here or the setup is you build some sort of report, you, get it out the door, you publish it. Development team says, great, here you go, business, go do your thing. And you walk away and you say, okay, report's good enough. There's no feedback loop. There's no form link on it that says, how could I improve this? What could we do to make it better? Do you have an idea? Put it here, right? There's nothing that's actually collecting value back from like, did we make, did we meet the mark on this report or not? So then you look at it, you know, 18 to 24, 24 months later, and then you go reintroduce another project and say, okay, now we need to fix this report. Let's let's now go through a process of fixing the report. And then you you basically revise it. In that scenario, publish it, walk away, come back, revise it. Much later. 
I do think that that, you know, that there's a lot of things you're trying to balance here. The development team has only so many people. You don't have unlimited time or or money or resources to continually updating everything every couple months. I mean, ideally, you'd love to have people engaged on your reports, constantly making changes, refining it, making it better. But where my mind goes on this one is sometimes when you initially publish the report, the report is a point in time that was answering some questions that were important at that moment. And I think potentially the reason what happens on this report, why reports go stale or potentially go out of usage is the requirements to the report, as you look at it, may have changed. The business, like, so if you think about, you know, Simon Sinek's, you know, the infinite game type scenario here, business is always evolving. It, there's no end solution. You're not one and done and, hey, I've made my product, let's move on. You're always trying to improve. You're always, your competitors are always doing something different than you. You're always looking to, you know, cut a different edge on whatever thing you're building. I have to imagine the same thing is kind of happening in the reporting world. And this is why sometimes if you take a long time to build your first report, the report you even publish misses the mark because in the time it took you to build the report and publish it, the requirements have changed. And what was important six months ago is not important right now. The questions of that report are different because that report was built around a specific set of questions. Does that make sense? Or am, I, am I even on base there? Is that? It, yeah, you are. And I think... Um, at least from my perspective, right? The the moment in time versus ongoing needs, right? And this kind of, it, it kind of speaks to a single team building out these reports, right? Maybe, yeah. Right, like let's let's just say it is. It's the it's the business okay. intelligence team and they're building out reports because- Sure, the data team. The way, I yeah. the way I took this is like a whole different way of like adoption within an organization. But if we're on the okay. report level, it, yep. it's a team. It's a person building this. So those struggles of making sure that what was built in the first place meets the needs, <clears throat> right, of many, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. but it doesn't like it, like there is so much nuance. Did you build it right the first time? Um, as the company is, is growing and things are changing, is the report still relevant or does it need to be updated, right? And I think that's maybe his point in here that, even after you put out a final product, mm -hmm. it's good. It's good to proactively iterate on it, or potentially the business doesn't know that they can make requests or enhancements to it. Sure. So you find yourself in this position where eighteen to twenty-four months later, somebody comes in and says, "Well, we need to fix it." Well, part of the problem there speaks to the issue with business and how they're engaging with that report. If it's eighteen to twenty-four months later and people aren't doing anything with the report, like then then we built the wrong thing to start with, or we built something that didn't meet the needs of the business. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So either it didn't be built like either it didn't meet the needs or what I see a lot of is teams, teams that are building out these reports with an understanding that they will have a big impact, but then the business just drops them. Like the, the report is built, but then there's no engagement after the fact and and that is, I think, speaks to a larger problem, I think, um, around building reports for the right things that solve the right problems and not somebody's specific problem. Because sure. if it's only going to take you two, two times to look at this report and took us two weeks to build it, it's not worth oh, it, right? right? It's not worth building that out. Giving you the data or the access to like the information you would want to see or know, yeah, it is, but we could streamline that exponentially by just pulling some numbers for you so i think there's there's a bit of that in here too yeah i think we're if we're going to move away from data set to semantic model i feel like everything we're saying is going to lead us to a different word for report yeah. and be, because uh, two things i i noticed both of you guys were talking about was fixing a report or updating a report sure. and you think about like if you've been on a department if you've been on a sales team marketing team operations you know how they move where everything's about context in terms of we have this project this quarter that we're trying to do. Oh, we have this campaign that we're doing. Uh, we're trying to attack these customers this quarter. And that's kind of like the uh, all hands on deck. That's what they're focused on. They're never for a whole year just doing one thing. There's, there's usually milestones kind of built in. 
and they come to us with kind of the more general view. So yeah, if we're just build a report that's very general, it's it will live forever, but not have any impact. That's a good point. You're not going to have, right? So if you really build an impactful report, it has to have that context for something that I'm doing right now. And it's going to end at some point. Oh, yeah. Unless we I, had a, I agree when to will some, I get fired report? I, I agree to some oh. point, but then we get into various various types of reports, right? Like there, there's a report yeah. that we built a long time ago that I never would have thought would be the, the report that is the most used. And it's because it provides visibility into some data sets that other like otherwise are not there. And it is the most widely used report. It's not insightful. It's not, it's just a very simple interface that allows people to enter a few parameters and get get the results that they need. It's not it, it there's no hard thing in it versus I think Tommy, what you're talking about are those those very time expensive reports where we're dialing in maybe a bunch of KPIs to see how the business is doing, or like there's um, there's a lot of time generated to develop something because a, a particular business unit wants to see certain things certain ways. And, and then you find yourself in this like, well, did we, did you, we build you the right thing or, you know, what do we need to do? Right. Well, to your point, Seth, and I, I completely agree. The only thing I would say is, do you know how many kinds of, or uh, how the number of reports people need like that? One, that visibility one, there's really one and done where mm -hmm. if I try to re then reinvent the wheel, like here's another visibility report. That's kind of the same thing, but slightly different. Once you have that one visibility report, you're kind of golden in terms of that. Now it's, I think, that moving on point. So I definitely do not disagree with you. But once you do that, then I think there has to be some additional, and I'm not saying analytical type reporting, just better context on what is a team working on now or until the quarter or whatever their time frame is and what's important to them now. And you have that visibility report that, minor updates is probably a certified data set but then you have uh, the other types of things that are again more focused but they have to be more impactful or uh contextual because they're going to be more impactful so i, I guess i guess where I'm, I'm i'm liking your point tommy there and i think i'm i'm resonating with the idea of the data set should be built in a more universal way the reports mm -hmm. potentially could be a bit more throwaway in nature right there's probably a report, and this is why I think it's important to identify what is the purpose of this port, report, right? If this report's purpose is to filter down a couple pieces of data and then export something out, if that's the needs of those users, if that's what you want to do in the business, then you should do that, right? Or at least be clear in the context of the report, right? Here's the report that we've built. Let's be clear about what we're going to deliver from this report. The expectation is you're going to do these things with it. It's a filtering report. It'll get you to the answers you need on a day-to-day -day basis. There's likely a whole bunch of other elements that go along with this report that are more nuanced, right? You have, like, there's probably, when you start talking about these, like, the idea of the questions you ask against the data or the report, there's the generic ones, and then that enables people to get access to their data, and then there's more specific ones that are insights on the data. And I believe the insights by being clear about here, this page is trying to give you this kind of insight, that page or that portion of the report that maybe needs to not be in part of your base report. You may need to build a second report that lives on top of the same data set. At the end of the day, to your point, Tommy, the semantic model, the self-service and or whatever has been built, you want the same story of the truth. And we... We talk about this all the time on the podcast. A model and thin report is the way to go because you're reusing that engineering workload every single time you're building on top of that data set. So, you know, from an engagement standpoint, or maybe not engagement, from a uh, adoption, we need to not only look at just the reporting metrics, it's the reporting metrics combined the data set metrics because it's a, it's a package deal. So you may not be getting a lot of usage on this report, but if you're getting a lot of usage on the data set, that's engaging. There's some there's some really good comments that are coming in from the seven Adelis, I think. I don't know, might be butchering your name, sorry. Um, 
but uh, Mike, you were on the right track, I think, because yeah. engagement is the keyword here, I think, to some degree. Because mm -hmm. if you look at the, the wide variance between some reporting that we do, which is extremely useful for the business and right out of the gate, like it has great usage and continues to have versus something that might have a big spike and then a drop off or something that never takes off at all. Sure. I think it does speak to the need for the business to understand how how and what is going on with that report and to your mm -hmm. points like it is important for us to explain in reports or in some way shape or form that this is the view by which we are producing this report right yeah it's in these lens it's designed to answer these questions yes if it doesn't like if you have other questions there are other ways we can look at the same data. exactly and i yes. think that's what that's what business needs to understand mm -hmm. or as you're producing these artifacts, like you can't just launch them into the world without the the people who are consuming them yep. having the rudimentary understanding of like not just how to engage with the report, but what it's actually showing them. And I think too often what we're doing is we're just putting bars, bar charts and graphs and tables of information in front of people yep. with a lot of filtering and things pre-done that shows a view of the world and it's supposed to solve a set of problems and people come in with the wrong assumption that like somehow it's going to solve all their problems. Correct. And I think, I think what that drives to is, is a higher level of kind of data culture or at least a, a push in that direction from the teams who are building these reports to make sure that the business understands that this is an iterative thing. And you do need to have kind of a high level understanding that if you don't see some, like something in this report that you would find valuable, but it's based on the same data, we can we can iterate on this. It's not Correct. something that like you just walk away from, which Correct. is the other other side of this. When you don't have the appropriate training, when you don't have that level of understanding from a business unit, if 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 you just shoot something into the world without proper communication, without letting them know what's going on, you can expect your product to fail. Mm -hmm. You never do that in any other area, right? If you think about a Correct. software development, right? Don't do it. Dev team, massive time spent from product teams to like iterate and develop on a story and make sure that it aligns with customer needs, et cetera. You're working with the developers at like minimum multiple times over to define and refine requirements, like all of that prep work, right? But it's not like they don't, they just launch it without like, hey, we just built this brand new feature go figure it out for yourselves. Of course not, right? There's yes. release notes. There's, hey, there's a video on how you go do this new thing. There's a campaign that tells customers how all of this stuff works and like how you can enhance your business, et cetera, et cetera. And I think sometimes, well, I think this po pokes at the, the situations where teams find them, is, themselves in this situation where we know so much about data and we're developing these reports that it's just like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then we just we hit we hit publish. Yep. We just shared this. We just shared this with you. You should uh, you should understand it fully by just looking at it without giving them context. And if Not the business happen. user can't make that connection, then yes, unfortunately, the vast majority of people in general are just going to be like, it's not useful and walk away as opposed to this looks kind of useful. Let me go devote a bunch of time to figure out whether or not I can use this. And then I'll work with the team to like request that I can iterate on. It takes a level of like direct engagement and you only get that out of a few folks. Correct. And, and a lot of times you think you'll yeah. even get the requirements that are, they don't even know what they want. Like they know they don't, they know what you gave them is not they don't right. know what to ask. They don't know what to ask. And this this is a huge point here, and I, I'm going to have a hot take in a sec. But Seth, in order to get to that point where we're providing context, that is assuming that we've had that conversations and that they, to your point, that they understand their own context too. Of uh, what is that important point? What are those pressure points? Like, because they'll say, "No, I just want to see a quote." It's like, "No, no, no." Like, let's really break this down. If we are going to have that type of context in our reports and that insights and have the, those release notes and features. You cannot just do that. The only way to have that is to have the right information from that team. And that's going to require basically I've, another way of how we think of report development. Right now, it's either sandbox development, we publish this in prod. We think of it like an app or like a website launch. 
whereas I think with these types of contextual reports, we need to spend more time rather than saying, we're going to build a product for you. Like, Hey, what's the situation? Let's workshop. What are you trying to measure? Yeah. Because if that's the biggest problem, then it does, the technology doesn't matter, but we need to spend that time to go, okay, where are your pressure points? Let's kind of say like, what, what would you love to see? And taking it that way, then doing development off. And like you said, probably off or already created semantic model, but when it's published, that doesn't mean like, again, like it's now it's a, a, like a power app that everyone can use. It's verified, but it needs to go then through feedback with the rest bigger team because you've been working with stakeholders and where you basically kind of have this other stage. Like, yes, it's in production. The numbers are right. But at this point, this has been, this isn't now in a sense closer to an MVP than it is your final thing. And the only reason you would do this again is because you're all of a sudden now we're in a partnership with that team. And because to get that context, you cannot get, get that context with just a requirement scope as helpful as those are, that only gives you so much information. And that will never tell you, that will never tell you uh, what bothers them or what keeps them up at night. And I think this is but why in order to, you, you want to focus on the action-based portions of your report. Uh, um, yeah. If you already, again, assuming you already have those visibility reports and the data dumps it doesn't really it doesn't really I, matter I, though yeah. regardless of you know data dumps visibility stuff okay fine that's that, to me that's self-service right here's a model do you understand how to use it that that to me that's table I, stakes what i'm talking about now is is talking about like when you have that conversation don't dive in immediately and let the user say i need this table i need this bar chart i need this like the 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 even just a, you know, hey, look, you have an hour with them. Take the first 10 minutes and say, look, before we look at any visuals or things like that, tell me what you need to do after looking at this data. What actions do you take? What is most important to do your job? At least now you're able to see. And, and what happens in those conversations, I feel like, is you would start identifying, oh, you asked for something that the data doesn't include in there. Like you just, you just said something about targets that wasn't included in the model. But now you're going to the report to dump it to go find your target somewhere else and apply them to the report. Okay. And there are things that are going to be happening in these places where you can't automate it away. There, there will be some manual work at some level in some of these reports. I'm convinced. It'd be nice to get rid of all that, but you can't answer everyone's questions with a, by adding more pages to the report. I think, I think what I'm hearing though, like in, in, in the nugget that I'm taking out of this is like, yes, there's a requirements component to this where it's like refining and making sure we're answering the questions, right? But I'm I'm kind of assuming that we're already doing that because even when you do that, you're 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 defining a scope that and, and a context for a report, right? Like this is this is what we're producing. We're not producing you with an AI engine that you can ask any question you want and get an answer. That's not what this report is going to do. I think what you you strike a chord with me, Tommy, when you you start talking about okay, I'm working with the stakeholders, and now I need to run this report past a larger team. And sometimes you can do that, and sometimes you can't. However, when you do that, how how do you run it past the the larger team, right? You you are the one that's communicating and articulating all of the things that we're talking about about the report to the wider audience because they have to engage with it. So if you're already bringing that open to a wider audience, like are you are you launching that from a meeting or are you just saying like hey, it was scoped and now we're just going to open up access to that report? Like are you are you training people yeah. or are you just launching it? Well, I think it's, there's there's three approaches that uh either put together or I would recommend not necessarily all three, but it's having the somewhere on the report, a direct link on like suggest feedback. So just at least having that out there for any major report, you do the roadshow. So you actually say, put a face to who actually built the report so they know who to contact, go through the demos. And then you have your office hours as well, where people, anyone can ask questions. If it is a big enough report, then you set up a week, like a, two weeks after it's launched anyone who wants to discuss that report yeah you're gonna get a lot of noise but i mean you want to talk about a structured way i think 
allowing all three of those avenues again that's a lot of work for every report sure and i, I I'm, I'm intrigued well with it's not every report no no this, this definitely is not. i mean i think what we're talking about here from a training perspective a lot of this leanings on certified and stuff that we want people to regularly use we, we all admit rbi has made report building a commodity there's going to be a lot of things created that are just not good so a lot of conversations i've been having recently is where is the breakpoint between what is certified and what is not? What does the process, I mean, a lot of people communicate like, well, if it comes out of the central team, it could be certified, but because of internal policies, we have no way of certifying any content that comes out of, like, that's generated by not the central team, which is totally cool. And I think you should do that. But I do think you need to at least define a process that says, as the business builds reports, as the business finds value from things that they're creating on top of your data models, what is the process to circle back to, okay, we have a report, it's getting high usage of metrics, it's not owned by a central team, does it need to stay in that business unit as part of their reporting, or does it need to get you know, funneled back in and actually follow a formal process around now it does become certified? And I think if you really look at organizations, more organizations are more interested in saying, we want to build the data models. The data models are the parts that central BI teams now want to manage. They do not want to manage the report creation process all the time. There may be a handful of them, but at me, strategically, the central BI team should not be building all the reports for every request all the way across the organization. There's too much to build. So it's better, more useful of our time to build well-designed, smart data models that can be reused and understood by a business to build their own stuff. So, We're out of ideas, that's it? That's the end of the topic? No, no, no. no. Uh, I'm typing out the, my next, my next I, I'm trying brilliant. to figure out which way I want to go with I'm trying to figure out which of two directions I want to go with that. Because I can, I, I, I actually, I, I can't help myself. You're going to go both directions, Tommy. Just, just admit it. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're going to go both directions. Like, so let's, okay. So pick one. Let's talk about that one first That's, and then we'll come back to the second one. So write them down on your notebook so we can get, get the both of them. I okay. Do. Write them down. Let's, yeah, let's take the first one. What's the first rank? What topic? <laughs> the first one is it's going to be in requiring that from the managed self-service where people are either going to just build reports is going to require a lot more DAX conversations because the data model works, but there's a good amount of DAX you need to do because most people's problems is they try to configure the data model for a certain situation. Yes. When a semantic model, if you are doing your DAX right, can solve most of that. Um, but so I, I don't think we're going to get there or I see that it's going to be a little harder to get because that's requiring a lot more people to have a very good understanding of DAX. And that's going to be that report author who's not data modeling. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a weird thing with DAX, right? It's, it's not, it's, you have, if you're going to use a, if you're going to do it right or do all the situations that someone's going to ask for without changing a model, you got to know your DAX. You got to know your filter context. I, I will agree. I, I do think so. I will also argue, I don't think DAX is so incredibly difficult that you that people shouldn't learn it and know it. In, okay. the, in the same way that there are certain people who know how to do simple things inside Excel with form, like everyone knows Excel. Like I would say that is a that is a table stakes alignment. If you hire someone and you say, you know, the assumption is, do you know Excel? They say yes. You kind of assume they know what they're doing. Like there's, <laughs> it's kind of like a, t to me, it's table stakes. So in lieu of that, yeah. I would say it's not that far away from some of those basic functions inside Excel. I will agree with you though, around there is more com complicated filter context pieces that makes things much more complicated. And there are what I would call common calculations, a running total, a four week average. There are formulas out there that are not as easy to get your head around. And I think Microsoft is definitely trying to address that and make that easier for you to build things with. But at the end of the day, I wouldn't, I wouldn't overbuild my central model with every single DAX measure that every single user needs, but I wouldn't, I, I would try to address like, what are the main conversations we want to have around calculations on top of this data? And I think, 
I think documenting the model and showing people the relationships. So let me give you an example. I'm looking at the Power BI Enterprise reporting that Microsoft gives you in PowerBI.com. You can go play with the data sets. There are tables there. There are relationships between said tables. You can even grab their measures and use the measures in those tables. Can you effectively build a report on a, on a model that you can only see the tables and the measures? I would argue I'm struggling to use their data models because there's no documentation. I don't know what the measures are doing. I don't know how the tables are connected and related together. So to me, there is if you're going to give people the ability to build stuff on top of models, you're going to need to do some level of education and or some work to, to document what's going on there. Until Microsoft gives me more documentation or I just spend the stinking time to go through these tables and try and figure out what the heck is doing, like how do I get this stuff to look and join together? There's there's no hope. Like there's no way to get to figure that stuff out. So to me, from my perspective, like that is what you're giving business users. It's the same experience. Here's a model. I'm not gonna tell you anything about it. Go build stuff. Not good. It's not gonna end well for you. Sorry. That was that your first point, Tommy? No. That's kind of where I was getting at too, because that's what happens. I've done the same thing with the Microsoft model, but that's why we're here because the, all those situations are always like, well, there's some other data source or some other context that you're not going to blow it up a uh, normal model by uh, in general. But it's the way it wasn't like, well, I need to see it in a different way. So unfortunately, like as great as the semantic model is, for those more managed custom self-service point of view, it's going to bring up uh, um, composite models again, but I'm going to, I'm going to backtrack, put that in the parking lot. I think the biggest thing is if you're going to have that, the, the more of the business going to be part of the user adoption story, you're, you're right. Like they, all of a sudden they now have to be uh, completely comfortable in filter context. I don't say, I don't but, think so. No, I disagree. Completely comfortable, all in filter context, day one, not possible. And you're going to have people no, that are going to, it's going to be a progression for them. If it's going to work, if you're going to have them to be able to run with it. This is, but this is why the center of excellence exists. This is why you do the training. This is why every month you do these educational things to the organization. People are going to learn some very basic things. Oh, look, if I do this little sum, hey, look, if I do Google this thing on the internet and it produces an answer for me, oh, look, I just chat GPT'd how to get this formula to work. I've had customers do that and they've written DAX off of chat GPT and said, I have a column named this, this, and this. How do I write this measure? It does it. So don't tell me they're not gonna be able to figure stuff out and they don't need a, an entirely very robust layer of, of, of filter context. When they become experts, yes, they will. But as they're learning in their progression, no, they don't. They're going to get there, but that's why the center of excellence exists. That's why the community practice exists because there will be certain individuals in your company that understand what's going on and you need to hire or you need to find the talent that the person who loves to go deep on models, they're tuning, they're optimizing, they're building things the best way they possibly can because that user is going to be used to inform others across your company about how to do things well. And that's why you have the Teams channel. That's why you have the community practice. That's why you do videos around, let's understand this data model or how to use filter context to build these various measures. When you start doing that, I think you're going to start seeing people getting over those hurdles of learning and training around DAX, and it will become more second nature to the company. But this is a data culture problem. This is not a technology problem. And honestly, the I would agree with you. I, I would still have want to have another conversation on what kind of leash do you give those people and like what are you comfortable? But we'll save that for another day. A, a leash. I think, uh, <laughs> Sure, whatever kind of thing. So, or no, like you're going to restrict well, the users yeah. you want the most engagement. Well, from. no, if you're going to just say, Hey, you can do managed self service, you're going to start building your own reports, and they don't have the skills. Why do you, let's why do you assume you don't run them through training? My assumption here is if you're going to do, if you're going to say yes, build your own stuff, there's, there's a minimum oh. training they have to go through even to do that. Okay. So, like to assume you're just sure. going to open it wide up, dumb. Yeah, any organization who just opens it wide up is going to be stupid and they're going to fall flat on their face. You're going to get a bunch of crap. And then the central BI team is going to have a bunch of cleanup to do on aisle six. And this is coming from the person who thinks certifications are a load of crap. Uh, you no. Yeah, I, that's yeah. totally, how many, you are totally how misreading how me on that one because that's not what okay. I've ever said. 
I say everything should be certified with the exception of no. you've got to figure out where does that effort talking, level talking need to live. Certi people. People. People, oh, people. Oh, yeah. 100% certification on people. Okay. The, okay. All right. Why, would you, why, would you not, why did you think I ever should say that? Because you've said that to me. I've said. Are you okay, talking about Microsoft? You're talking about the PL300. Yes. No, okay. No. Yes. The PL300, that does not mean certified. You're using the term that you think is certified. So to go to Microsoft and say a PL300 certifies you to be work in filter context and be like, I would I as a business go out and find someone who's passed a three, PL300 and just hire them off the street? No, I would not. That certification for that particular test does not qualify you as a solid individual individual to build inside my organization. Would, would you would you like but here's here's the other side of that. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna run people through a certification test that they have to pass in order to give them access to Power BI in your company. Not a certification test, but they're gonna go through a minimum of training. Absolutely, yeah, they are. Because you want to enable them. Sure. You want to like part of enabling people and giving them access to the things they need is they need to understand at least how to start using it. Otherwise, Bingo. like you're going to spend you're going to spend Correct. so much time and or the only people that are going to get through that are the ones that are like the the few, the proud, the the crazy that want to <laughs> like to go figure it out for themselves. I do want to dial this back because this this kind of spans the data culture and the report level, right? And and my my point in that or aligning with the um, outcome of Brent's article here is that potentially if if we measure user adoption, whether that's on a report level or within an organization, I think it, it spans. I'm thinking about this as kind of like in the OKR framework. If adoption is the objective, like what are the key results or what are the things that we need to do as report authors or teams or people who are trying to build these things within an organization that we've talked about today. And one of those, the first would be like understand value and act. And what I mean by that is like for reports that are out there, I think we need to create a cycle where you're asking what questions does this report answer? Are those questions still relevant to the business? And that's a, that's a communication thing between the business and the people building the reports. And maybe it is the person within the report thing. But if not, what actions are we taking? Are we deprecating? Are we enhancing because like the, the business is slightly changed? Or are we building that new because we no longer have those questions that we have to answer and this report isn't useful? We need to provide support. And if this is on a report level, it's like it's the bare minimum of documentation. It's bare minimum of uh, a community of access where business people can ask questions, can understand like how a report potentially works, et cetera. And it's training. If you can find somebody who can adapt or adopt a, a report that's built out of you from you or your team and they can enhance it and they can do that, that's fantastic. And then communication and marketing, right? You can't just publish something into a business unit without doing what we kind of talked about with feedback from the bigger team, but also communicating what is the scope of the report? What questions is it supposed to answer? Like all of those things that make it valuable to people and, and allow them to engage with what you're building and get value out of it. And I think, I think that kind of uh, these bullet points you can apply on a report level as well as potentially on a, a wider scale. It's just in a larger forum, right? When I say, you know, a community like, and you're building one report, that's like maybe you have a, an hour long session every couple of weeks or something where people can, you know, talk and communicate about like problems they're having or something versus if you're doing that on an organizational level, like, is there a forum? Is there, are there people asking and answering questions? Are you doing training sessions? Are you, mm -hmm. you know, how active are you cr trying to create the community of people that are not only using, but hopefully skilling themselves up to be contributors within an organization as well? So I think there's a lot of validity to like questioning or validating that, yes, old school IT approaches of like build it and they will come don't work, not in data, for sure not in reporting. And there are a lot of nuance areas where we should think about this as a handshake between technical people who are building something um, and the business Agreed. where this is an ongoing relationship um, where we're at least providing enough value to them that they understand how to consume the report and how to ask for the next things as the business evolves.
and need to be receptive to that. Yeah, I agree. Don't don't yeah. don't mix up my words here. The difference between training, the difference between training and certification. I think those are two different things that you're looking at. And I and and this regardless, at the end of the day, Tommy, to your point, what you said earlier, skills are important. These, these are these are like you're giving you're getting new technology into people's hands. We know you're comfortable with Excel. What does the skills look like? What skills do we need? And this is something that's a miss inside the Power BI community. And I'm looking to fix some of this, but there is there is a distinct skills gap of what type of role do I play in the Power BI ecosystem? What level of skills do I need to have to do XYZ things across the platform? No. I, and to your mic, I... looks like your video just froze. So, oh. He was so astounded by your. Oh, there you are. Oh, there you go. Okay, back. Okay. <laughs> I think you're back, I'm here, Tommy. I'm here. Yeah, you, you glitched out. It cut back. I cut off. For I, a second. I, I, deserve, I deserve that. I deserve that. So, no, and obviously, Mike, just messing with you, but um, just because conversation we had. But. Uh, <laughs> I, I said I do. It makes for good. It makes for good audio, right? You know, <laughs> if we did, if we agreed on everything, <laughs> no one would well, have listened to the podcast, and they wouldn't be I like, "Well, I should have hung around until minute fifty six because Mikey and Mike and Tommy are going to argue at the end about which yeah, cannoli right. is best." Like, come yeah, on, listeners, right? Um, <laughs> do it know, for I the this, if you actually remember last year, I'm like, "Hey, Mike, I got certified in this and this and this," and you're like, "You're like, that's a load of crap." And you, those are the words I went. Okay. <laughs> 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 no but i and i listen and i was only saying that because part of it kind of i agree too you can do training you can do other things i i know we're right at the end but seth you're you, you ignited a fire in me what you just said in terms of that's a great idea because i can't spend all day looking and f trying to follow up with people but if we have a scanner APM activity, we can set up automation to say, hey, this report's been published for a week or two two weeks. Yep. It's gotten this view, this usage, yep. time to follow up. Yep. So that's that has, that has to be something. It all hinges on, do you have a solution around how to monitor stuff coming out of your tenant? Are, you would not drive a car, would, you would not drive a car with your eyes shut. You should not run a Power BI environment. Leaderships, this is leaders, this is talking to you leaders. You should not run a Power BI environment without having your own monitoring solution. Yes, Microsoft provides you some things, but is it really worth, can you really manage your environment from it? I have found the answers, it's okay at best. You need to have your own solution. So yeah, you've, you've, gotta, you've gotta have a monitoring solution in place so you can actually do these kind of insights on what is important to you as a company and align those. Excellent. With that, uh, we really appreciate your time. This has been another great argumentative session with a with a ton of intro that was so much fluff and, and griping <laughs> in this episode. So we really hope you enjoyed our super random tour of the world of, of our therapy session here. So hopefully this is helping you out as well. We thank you very much for your time. We appreciate your listenership. Uh, and thank you for giving us a little bit of grace here as we ramble through some of these topics together. Um, don't worry, there will be more sparks between Tommy and Mike in the future. And Seth will continue to drop in with bombs of knowledge <laughs> that will just set us straight and we'll be we'll be okay from there. So that that seems to be how this thing rolls. <laughs> with that, we really appreciate it. Would you would you please share this podcast with somebody else? Uh, waste someone else's hour of their time. That would be wonderful if you could also do that from somebody else. We would appreciate them to also be not productive during work hours uh, for at least one hour throughout their day. Anyways, Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? You can find us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe and leave a rating. It helps us out a ton. If you have a question, an idea, or a topic that you want us to talk about in a future episode, head over to Power BI Tips slash podcast. Leave your name and a great question. Join us live every Tuesday and Thursday, 7.30 a.m. Central, and join the conversation live on all Power BI social media channels. Do you ever feel like you're you're like you know, parenting two younger children in this podcast. Does that, does that feel like it's no, we all play that role. There needs to be conflict, at least in one direction at, exactly. at, at any given time. Or, but, there, no, there, even if it's not real, <laughs> actually, believe it or not, Tommy and I, you know, so 
truth be known, Tommy and I talk about this ahead of time and we intentionally take different opinions on, no, we don't, oh, we don't do yeah, that at all. Nope. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next time.